strokes the three from the left wing. Gagliardi, why not? He's feeling it. He's oh, my from three. Goodness. Their junior down the lane drops to Rainwater for a two-handed slam. That's what you do. He will tear down a rim this year. Largy able to blow by the pressure. Now a lob. Rivers throws it down. Cato tries it again. You bet. Caleb Cato back-to-back threes. Hello and welcome to Screecher Report. We are back with another weekly episode. I'm here with Elliot Cressy and I am Russell Kelly. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm in the phone. Help me. <laughs> Elliot's trapped in the phone in the cosmos. Yeah. I uh, What's that thing called? I blue skidooed into my iPhone and I'm stuck. You blue skidooed? We can too? Yeah. So you know how people are just like they refer to things as handy dandy? but not always a notebook. Do you think they're always like low key referencing blues clues or are they just saying handy dandy? Nah, I'm pretty sure that existed before blues clues. I don't know, man. Cause I feel like it's always in the same handy dandy flash drive. Like, you know, whatever it is. I don't know. So what's up? What's breaking news in the FGCU realm of basketball goodness? Well, we're in a bit of a lull right now. Right over the beginning of the off season, it's all these new players, it's uh, guys coming back to get workouts in, but we're between uh, summer workouts and you know when fall comes back and real practices start amping up. So it's a little bit of a lull. Guys are returning home to wherever that may be, but we did get a little piece of news, as you may know. Uh, one more game added to the schedule, a non-conference game that I had mentioned that I hoped was a possibility uh, a couple podcasts ago, and that's Loyola Chicago. Uh, what are your thoughts on playing them up north? Well, one, I think you're a psychic genius, and I want to know if you got your palm red or your future red or someone told you that because you knew. So, Well, before we go any further on what you think of that matchup, I will just tell you that I think our opinion is so respected amongst uh, the fans that, you know, Coach Fly and company were like, oh, they think we should play Loyola Chicago. Let's schedule that immediately. And that's what they did. Uh, Yeah, we should confirm with Fly, but I believe that's the easy, you know. No, we don't have to confirm. That's what happened. That's clearly what happened. Yep. Uh, my thoughts on that matchup, and I'll be honest, I have no idea um, how good Loyola Chicago is these days. So if they retain their status, good for them, and I hope they did to make for a good game. But I also hope to win, so kind of hope it's like in between there and we can just have a fun matchup, but, you know, kick their little booty. Right. So, yeah, as you know, a couple years ago was the Sister Jean year. It was, I think, I can't remember how far they made it. I want to say it was Elite Eight or something like that. Um and they were probably a somewhere between 12 and 14 seed and that was really exciting and and then i think they went back not not all the way to the elite a but to the tournament maybe the the year after and then since then it's been you know not getting back but this past year they uh they were they made it and they had a really senior laden team and i think they might have won one game i'm not looking any of this up so i could be wrong but um, as far as I know, they, they've maintained at least competitive, you know, ability and talent. Uh, so, you know, regardless if they lost a lot of players or not, it should be a good one. Just, you know, two classic Cinderella's going head to head. Plus, it's cool, you know, just for the guys to get a chance to go to a cool city like Chicago and, 
you know, we had Austin Ritchie on a couple weeks ago and, you know, he's from the area. So it's kind of cool for him to have a little bit of a homecoming, you know, in the middle of the season. Actually, it's in the beginning of the season, but after being away from home for what will be, a, you know, several months. Yeah, I just hope it turns out better than the last time we faced a recent Cinderella uh, competitor. You're talking uh, UMBC, aren't you? Yep. Hey, we beat him the first time around. It was that the most recent time <laughs> that uh, we had a little bit of uh, Darnell Rogers' revenge game. Yeah, yep. So hopefully we just uh, match up well non-conference, so. Yeah, I know nothing about their roster yet, but that's that's all. That's a lot of what's fun about non-con is their teams you don't see all the time, so you never know, um, you know, what kind of systems they run. You yeah. ever get like, you know, as much analysis as we do on matchups and whatnot, and, and games and teams and whatever. It's like college basketball is so unpredictable. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to state the obvious. I'm like, put COVID aside and like. It's like, yeah, we should win this game, but we don't. Yeah, no. How many? How many times? How many times do we sit there and say, "Oh my God, Stetson just beat you know Duke or something," um, and then the next game they lose to a D two school, right? It's you know, it's it's like how how two teams play each other. You know, say Stetson. Let's, I'll just use them for an example. Say they played UF in the non conference season and they won. And then say we played UF in the non-conference season and lost by 30. It doesn't mean that they're going to beat us in conference season, you know? Like, it, it doesn't even remotely suggest that. It's so unpredictable that you really can't go by that. It's a piece to talk about. It's something to consider. But it's so much has to do with matchups and timing and how a guy is just feeling that night. You know what I mean? Stuff that's unpredictable. Intangibles, too. Just how a guy is doing mentally, too. You never really know. I get there's upsets, but I feel like in like the major sports that are being played in in college, and not a, not just college, but primarily college, like college football, you got your powerhouses that just won't lose to lower tier schools. Mm-hmm. You got the top twenty five and top fifty in college that typically don't lose to the lower tiered schools, but like for the rest of the three hundred schools that are kind of just middle of the pack or <laughs> lower, it's like anyone can beat anyone any given night. There's no way you can tell, really. I mean, you can make a best guess, but it's just like. Yep. Yeah, that's like the the first couple rounds of uh, like the NCAA tournament are always great because it's it's hard to project the, you know, some of the teams and, and did, did this, you know, non-traditional team do really well because they have a weak conference or are they actually really good, you know? And then they end up upsetting some teams that may have overachieved a bit in those Power Five conferences and everyone, you know, loses their shit, you know, and it usually kind of to your point by the end of things, by the elite eight, it's, you know, guys who are supposed to be there are there and they're going to win or lose against teams that are also supposed to be there. I think that's why I'm a big fan of like series though, because for the most part in, in a league like the NBA with seven game series throughout the playoffs, the best team typically wins. I mean, you have to factor injuries in there. But even if you factor injuries, the best five guys, best ten guys, however many you're going to run on your bench, are is usually the team who wins over the course of seven games. And, you know, like I said, injuries throw a monkey wrench in that sometimes, and that makes it a little fun sometimes, just talking about, you know, well, who's going to win now. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's just like, it's such a big toss-up. I feel like I'm stating the obvious here, but I've never thought about it in this light. 
Anyways, we uh, are continuing our Nest Newcomers series and, you know, our sort of previews to those with having them on the podcast with Kevin Samuel. Um, he's um, one of the most big time transfers we've really ever had at FGCU coming from a power five conference in the big 12 and at TCU and just dominating while he was there um, presence off the glass and dunking and, and shot blocking and just at, el- at an elite level against elite competition. Um, so we're going to be really happy to talk with him and get to know him a little bit more. We want to welcome one of the biggest, and I mean biggest, signings in FGCU men's basketball history. That would be the 6'11", 255-pound transfer from TCU, Kevin Samuel. Tell me, Kevin, how are things, and how have you been spending your time since getting back on campus, and just how is, it, how is, it, how is everything overall? been here for the last four weeks, so it's been just great just going on, working out with the guys, going through the different routines that we do every day, and just the day, hanging out with the guys on the weekend. It's just been great, so I can't really complain. I love the... Um, the team that we have, we're trying, we're building that chemistry on and off the court. So it's, it's been a pleasure to be here. That's awesome. And, you know, you obviously have some humble beginnings. I saw somewhere it was like a, a Big 12 or, or something like that kind of feature on you at TCU. And um, they said you were the first D1 athlete coming out of Barbuda. Um, is that a point of pride for you? You kind of wear that on your sleeve a bit? Yeah, I kind of wear that on my sleeve just knowing where I'm where I started from and where I am at now. You just say, you know, and just knowing I have a a big community and an island that's represented me every time there, you know, just like list here talking to my friends and family back home, just know everybody's rooting for me, everybody's praying for me and just everybody just wanted to be see me have a great success in the sport of basketball. How is it you know, when you came over to the States, um how was it sort of transitioning to playing here? How old were you when you started playing basketball and when you came over here? Uh, I think I started when I, I started playing basketball, like, I started late. So I think I was about, like, 16, 17, you know, I started playing on a um, a bicycle room in the backyard with my neighbor. That's how I really got into basketball. And it transpired over to, like, I started going to the basketball court. And I just fell in love with the game. I used to play bare feet and I was kids in there when I first started. And after that, they, like, the older guys were like, so if you wanted to play um, that's if you want to play with us, you gotta you gotta come bring your shoes to actually be on the court. And if you didn't really have no shoes, you can really you couldn't really play. So that's really how I got into it, just like transitioning from being from the Caribbean to uh, playing AU basketball is totally different. Just like the different, uh, you know, everybody like the, the different um, kids that they had the training like from a young age and back home in the Caribbean. You know, we didn't really have the training facilities and the different. Just a different access that kids that have up here from a, from a young age. So you obviously had a lot of individual success at TCU, and you were on some good teams as well. Um, what went into your decision to transfer? I know a lot of guys ended up transferring this year, um, but that was kind of common around the country with you know the COVID and the, and the extra years and stuff like that. I just you know I just wanted like a fresh start to be somewhere else different. You know I just felt like I've been there. Well, I've been there for four years, uh, grad transfer, and I had a grad transfer year. I graduated, so I just, you know, just wanted something different to finish my uh, college career. Okay, and so 
you know, they announce that you get signed and every fan is, you know, immediately really excited. A guy coming from a big conference, a guy who had a lot of success there and watching any bit of tape on you and a couple things are immediately clear. You're you're a big guy and you know how to use size, you know how to defend, get rebounds, you're a threat around the rim and you know a thing or two about blocking shots. Um, are those good observations? How would you describe your style or your skill set on the court? Yeah, so those are good observations. You know, for me, I just go out there and play hard, play to my um, that's my days. I just don't really, you know, focus on one thing. I just go out there and make, you know, just go out there and make winning plays on um, on the on the offensive side and on the defensive side. Also on the on the on the bench, you know, coaching my teammates, telling them what I see from just being out there. So like, so I just go out there and try to give my as maximum effort as I can, um, offensively and defensively. So when I watch, I don't know how much you follow the NBA or not, but I see Daniel Gafford, I see Hassan Whiteside, Mitchell Robinson, something along those lines. Is that is there any NBA guy that you try to model your game after, or you take from a few guys, or or any good comps that you come up with? Yeah, those are good guys that you know just uh, like what DeAndre was doing in the playoffs. As you know, just uh, like something I can like model, see myself doing. You know, just doing the three yards, just rolling. And just being a, a a great perimeter, just being there on the defensive side, and just you know, and I'm being on all rolling hard on offense, like you know, just create creating for my teammates and creating for for myself as well. And so we've established your your elite level shot blocker. There was a season at TCU, you averaged almost three a game. Next season, it was closer to two, which is still you know on an excellent level, but. Um, were, were guys just not respecting you or something that year that you averaged almost three? I mean, and then they come in the next year and they say, you know, I don't think I should shoot over this guy anymore. Yeah, uh, I don't know how to say that, to be honest. You know, it's just like I just have Max Murphy that if he goes up, I got to go get it. Just like some wall up, you know, trying to keep my hands straight up. You reach or trying to bait them into um, bait them into think I'm not going and go at the last minute and try to get the block. I got a couple goal tens, but I'll, I'll take it just by going late, late, late minutes. It's always just me just going like bay and then it's like into thinking I'm not going to go block it, but that's how I basically did, to be honest. Yeah, man, it obviously works. Um, one of your new teammates, uh, Dakota Rivers, he's a guy that the Eagles, uh, Eagles fans have grown to love over the last couple seasons, and he's one of the better shot blockers that we've had. And he was on, on he was on pace to you know set some school records last year, but COVID obviously made that season cut in half, so none of that happened. But um, you know, have you guys gotten a chance to get to know each other, to work together? And what are your thoughts on his shot blocking ability? If you've seen it so far? Yeah, yeah, I've been you know me and Dakota been in the gym um, now and then, just being in the same workout group with him. He's been doing a great job. He's a very athletic guy. And just like I see uh, me and him being on the court at the same time, it's going to be like a great force on the defensive side, you know, getting rebounds, blocking shots. So I feel like me and him on the, on the, on the court at the same time is going to be a great, upside, a great upside for us, you know. Yeah, and, man, like you said, if, if he's playing the four and you're playing the five, I can't imagine anyone's going to want to try to score in the paint. Like, like, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just going to be like a, a long night for the opposing team. And uh, so, I mean, this roster at this point is loaded. Uh, you know, last year Dakota was the tallest guy at 6'8", fringe 6'9", and, you know, now you're coming in this year at closer to 7 feet, and Andre Weir is listed at 6'10", 265 or something. And even beyond size and length, the experience is staggering. I mean, each new guy has their own thing. Returners, Rolone and his passing, Cato and Largy coming back with their skill sets, and, and all the other guys, and it's, you know what I'm trying to say really is that on paper this might be the most talented team in the conference. So 
my question is is one how how do you feel about the talent on the team and two what do guys need to do to make sure that the team's talent doesn't stay on paper and that it shows up in games as well uh i see yeah just we uh i can say that we had like a couple of like um open runs where we played five and five and just like just to see everybody just clicking on the same page we had like not a lot of turnover so i would say like We've been like a on we're 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 probably gonna be like a low turnover team this season. I feel like everybody just like click with each other. For I'll say for us to be like to get where we need to be, I feel like everybody just gotta play their role and be on the same page. You know, we can't like have any bad like efforts and bad like team um, per person one person trying to gain us down. I feel like everybody just gotta stick to their role and just like what coach get with the role that coach gives us and stick with it. You know, that that will take us far. I see like for us to get get somewhere. For, I feel like that's what we gotta do. Sure, I like it. So, um, just one question more for us. It's uh, just what are your personal goals for the season? Um, you know, you've experienced a lot already in, in college basketball, and then what are some of your goals? Um, you know, for the team as a whole this year. Uh, for me, I'll say just having more confidence on the offensive side of the ball. I feel like I, I do a great job on the defense side, just being very there with my effort work on the offensive side. I feel like I just need to have more confidence in myself. You know, and I feel like I can be like a whole different player. On that side, and for the team, this is just a, for us, just to, just to like to win a lot of games, win, um, make sure we win all our all our regular season game, and we go into postseason where we finish the top top of um, top of our um, conference and try and get the conference tournament and go to the tournament. And so I definitely can win a couple games in the tournament. So that's why that's like for the, my team, the team goals that I have set for us. You know, just like to win our conference, win games, be ranked, and get to the and get to the, the, the NCAA championship. I like it. They're big goals, but, you know, you got big expectations and you got to fill those. And we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll have to chat again sometime. You know, maybe it's a post-game Chris conference. We want to come see you practice once you guys really start getting to go, um, you know, before the season starts. And But I'm sure we'll talk again. Like I said, I want to thank you for coming on, and we appreciate your time, man. All right, no problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, stay tuned for content throughout the rest of this offseason and as we get into the thick of things and, you know, when school starts back up and guys start practicing. Uh, in the meantime, if you could help me with any advice on how to get Elliot out of the phone. He's still stuck there. I hope he's doing okay, though. How you doing, Elliot? Help me, please. <laughs> Again, thanks for listening. You guys have a good one. Go Eagles. I'm in the phone. Help me.